0: Great. Well, it's a joy to be sharing with you. Actually, I need to stay in front of camera, don't I? Somewhere. Is it this one? No. Um, By here. Okay. Um, So it's great to be with you. Always a joy to be sharing with you. And particularly today, uh, I want to share with you what I sense as a kind of prophetic word. Uh, for this year of 2023 in our personal lives, in our church life, in our life as church in the city and in the nation. Um, So it's just these three simple words that make up that prophetic sense and it is pursuing his presence, pursuing his presence. You know, the presence of God makes such a huge difference to our lives. This morning in our worship, what makes it real is the presence of God. You can be worshipping sometimes in a very formal way and then suddenly you sense the presence of God. In our witness tomorrow morning, what makes the difference is the presence of God. In our daily lives, whether it's health or heartache or challenges we face in our world with all the tragedies we've just been praying for and interceding for, even that final scripture, you'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. What does it mean to sense the presence of God? So we're gonna just briefly look at three of the many key things that help us to experience more of the presence of God. And I'm gonna speak a bit about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of joy, and the fullness of the purposes of God. So each of those, we're gonna try and get through that. This morning, there we are, that's quite a challenge. So firstly, pursuing his presence means pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Even the thought of pursuing his presence is a challenge because often we think the presence of God is something that happens to us, you know. We're struggling, but we come into church, we feel the presence of God. But can we actually pursue the presence of God? Can we actively experience what it is? So those amazing words of scripture where James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So I can actively pursue the presence. I can draw near to God. One of the key ways in which we understand that is that it is the work of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus' presence real to us. These amazing words in John 16, where, verse 15, where Jesus speaks. He says, the Spirit will take of the things concerning me and will make them known to you. He will make me real to you. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus' presence real to us. So from the very beginning of the early church, 120 of them gathered in an upper room, terrified of the future and all the uncertainty. They feel they've lost the presence of God, Jesus gone. Then suddenly there's that mighty wind, often the symbol of the Holy Spirit, and and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, this overwhelming awareness of the presence of God in their lives. And it's that fullness, Now I want to say, and all that we touch on today, it's not just for us to experience the presence of God. One of the wonderful things about the fullness of the Spirit is that the fullness of the Spirit is never meant to be an end in itself, I now feel full, it's always about the overflow. So the purpose of God filling us is that we might overflow, so that we might carry the presence of God, we might bring the presence, Whatever we are, whatever we're doing, even the most unusual situation. No, on, on Christmas Day, Pam and I, we'd gone to Birmingham to be with our, our son and family there. And it was a wonderful time with them all as a family. And on Christmas morning, we went uh, to their church. And it's great for me. I, I wasn't even on welcoming the door. I was off duty, as it were, you know. But, and I was sat towards the back. And we had, we had the family occupied a whole row and a bit more. So I was sat behind. And our gr- granddaughter, Hannah, has just started doing her PhD. And uh, she's met at, at college originally uh, a lovely fellow from Scandinavia. Martin, who's really a thoughtful person, but, but he's not a Christian, he's not a believer. And as I sat in this room behind him on that Christmas morning, I really felt the Holy Spirit Stir in me such a burden to pray for him. You can't always explain, but it's where you feel the presence of God stirring something in you. And, and so I'm there, it's Christmas morning, I'm praying for him. And anyway, we go back uh, for, for Christmas lunch, you know, it's like you know, Christmas lunch is like and, and we're just before the Christmas lunch having a drink, and we're talking together. And I said, Martin, I said, uh, it's great to see you at church this morning. You've he always said, I, I never would go to church, he said, but since meeting Hannah, I, I've been to church, he said. And, and even the family here, they, they say grace at, at a meal. And uh, I said, how, how do you feel about it? He said, well, actually, I, I don't mind. I said, it feels a bit like a community. And I said, so as well as kind of observing it all, have you ever yourself prayed or read the Bible? No, he said, I've never done that. He said, I wouldn't know where to begin. Anyway, we talked a little bit. And I said, you know, would you, would you be interested in exploring more about that? He said, I would really, he said, and anyway, we've been called for Christmas lunch, and in we go for Christmas. I said, we must chat further afterwards. But afterwards, there were so many games and charades till late at night, and and then we were going back the next day. It was Boxing Day, and so we had breakfast, and we'd going out, and as we were going out, I said to Martin, I said, Martin, actually, would you like me just to continue that little conversation? Yeah, he said, if you could. So I said, give me your mobile. So he gave me his mobile. I said, I'll WhatsApp you this week. And so I did, in fact, Hannah also said, I, I, I'd love to be in, in on that. And so we had a WhatsApp video call and we both sat on the couch and just explained again the existence of God, the meaning of faith. It was all so new. And uh, I, I said to Martin, you know, you said you'd be interested in, in, in no more. I said, would you, would you like some help in just studying the Bible? He said, I, I would actually. He said, it's all so new to me. I said, "Well, wh- why don't you both just read the first three chapters of John's Gospel in about a week's time or so, and you've had a chance to read it, write down your questions and I'll do a WhatsApp call. So they did. And they sent me an email with their first questions. I mean, there's something wonderful. When you're with somebody who's never ever read the Bible before, and they're reading it just, you know, even the very first verse of John's Gospel, what does it mean by the word? You know, the word became flesh. And so I explained to him, you know, well, God wanted to communicate himself we use words, but it wasn't just a loud hailer from him, but the word became flesh, it was Jesus. And oh, he said, and so we went on. You know, what does it mean, the Lamb of God? Was that just an innocent sort of person called the Lamb of? No, no, no. This was about the whole background of the history of God's people, where animal sacrifices, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Anyway, they were full of questions. Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, we did a WhatsApp, WhatsApp call, and they uh, went through their questions, and I said, would you like to do more? Yeah, we would, really interested. We did a bit each day. I said, well, why don't you take the next seven chapters? One a day, there we are. That'd be chapter four to chapter 11, and so they did. By the next Saturday, it was a page and a half, a four page and a half of questions that they already sent in advance, and so he we went through. It was wonderful, just a sense this is truth dawning for the first time, you know. And, and then we got to our third week, and we're getting towards the end now. And uh, by the end of that time, we'd explained, of, even from those early chat, about what it means to be born again of the Holy Spirit and that new life in Jesus. I said, you know, the author John, of John's Gospel, towards the end in chapter 20, if we're getting towards it now, we're up to 8, chapter 8, and I said, he actually gives the reason why he writes it, just like an author when you read a novel on the back cover. You read, and he says, these things, you know, there are many other things that Jesus did, but aren't record in this book so it's not the false story but he says I've recorded sufficient that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing have life in his name this is just the third week now that's we're coming towards the end I said Martin has what we've been covering over these weeks helped you to as John intended to to see that Jesus is the son of God he said well it certainly helped me to know more about Jesus ever knew before he said I said, you know, even goes on to say that it's not just believing in a sense you've got a bit more knowledge about him, but that you may have life in his name. And it's possible, I said, to experience that new life. He said, but I wouldn't know how to do that. I said, well, sometimes, you know, it's just a simple way in which we take a step of faith and pray, he said, but I've never prayed. I said, well, would you like me to help you in it? And so we prayed together. It's wonderful, he and Hannah, as they prayed in such a real way, just a, admitting to God their own need and turning from all they'd done wrong and believing that Jesus, Son of God, loved him, gave himself for them and to commit their life to him. You know, there was something very special, that sense of the Holy Spirit bringing to birth that new life of Jesus. First thing they said, I, I said, welcome into the family. They said, oh, we better, this is Saturday morning. He said, we better go to church tomorrow. So they went and found it. They did, they went and found it. They're up north on a church, et cetera, And And since then, it's been wonderful just to see that new life in Jesus. But you know, wherever we are, every day of our lives, we're meeting people on a bus stop or somewhere else, but... You know, what is this to carry the presence of God? It's not just when we come to church, we sense God's presence. How do we carry God's presence wherever we are? It's also the key to that fullness of joy. Scripture says those amazing words in Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy, fullness of joy. There's something about the presence of God. And it's not just again for special occasions, those amazing words in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4, verse 4. Always, always? You mean it's a joy that you could... What about, Rob, when you're going through heartache, hurt, when you're going through pain or suffering and grief and all the heartbreak? And what about when you're going through mental illness and panic attacks and all? The you mean still? Yes, yes, still. Peter, in his first letter, first chapter of 1 Peter, when he speaks about the terrible testing times they're going through all sorts of trials though now for a season if need be we're going through manifold that's the AV version of it manifold trials it were m- many different trials he says yet we rejoice with a joy unspeakable but full of glory it's not a joy that's measured by how loud you laugh it's a joy unspeakable but it's full of glory Why is it to know that deep inner joy that fullness of joy that comes with his presence. Now, just this weekend and these past few weeks, I've, I've prayed with some folk going through such traumatic situations. Folk who, well, just through heartache, and for some it's been uh, mental illness and real anxiety and issues. For others, financial challenges. Just this weekend, now, someone who's just received now is sharing with me this weekend their diagnosis of cancer and their pending operation. And yet, They said, you know, Rob, that morning, when I had that diagnosis, my reading that morning was Psalm 139. I felt as if this was the end of the world, as if you know, I only got days left to live. He said, but I read those words in Psalm 139, verse 16. All my days are ordained by you and are written in your book before one of those days even comes to pass. He said, as I read it, I felt an overwhelming sense that amazing sense of God's presence, that God is in control. See, the presence of God makes that difference to our lives. There's that joy unspeakable. And finally, to pursue his presence is to pursue that fullness of his purpose in our lives. Those amazing words in in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses is having to leave the people of God, through the people of Israel, through the desert, through really challenging and different times, And he's overwhelmed by the task. But he says, oh God, unless your presence goes with me, don't send me out from here. And God says to him, my presence will go with you. I remember in Israel many, many years ago. It was oh, nearly 60 years ago now. And In fact, uh, before I was in full-time Christian ministry, you know, I, was, I was doing a, a research project, a fascinating project. For three months in Israel, much of it I spent at the Hebrew University there. And it was to study the whole industrial development of Israel. It was a fast-growing nation. Had some amazing projects. Claiming the desert with desalination plants and fertilizing it, etc. The new early form of IT. Israel was very early on in its IT development. And I did this huge project of studying its industrial development. Visiting all around Israel. But one of the things that was really on my heart is that um, before I'd ever gone for some years, I'd had an interest in a a dear old blind lady called Auntie May who lived in Bethlehem and had done a remarkable work among the blind and disabled. Uh, I'd never seen her, she'd never seen me, she was blind. But I, I, I corresponded with her, as it were. And I said that if ever it was possible, I'd love to be able to go and visit her. And here I was going to the Middle East. But of course, there was great hostility between Israel and Jordan. This was just before the Six-Day War. I'll tell you how long ago it was, 60 years ago. And so you couldn't even communicate between them. In fact, you couldn't travel between them. And I was hoping that I would somehow be able to eventually go from Israel into Jordan. But you couldn't because if you had Israel on your passport, they wouldn't let you in. It took a huge amount of negotiation. First of all, I had to send back home all the research. But imagine taking into Jordan, the whole kind of research of the industrial development of Israel. So I managed to send that out. But I managed to negotiate a second passport. It was funny, wasn't it? I eventually crossed into Jordan with a passport. I'm going from Israel, but not Israel stamped on it. And uh, it was a really hassly time. I remember going through the Mandelbaum Gate, and when I got there, I felt absolutely exhausted and just was trying to find somewhere quiet in old, old Jerusalem. I went to the garden tomb. I can remember now sitting on a little stone bench just inside of the old green door, wooden door, creaky door that opened into the garden tomb. I had written months and months ago to Auntie Mae to say that if it was ever possible, I'd love to be able to visit her and travel down to Bethlehem. But I wasn't sure if it would ever be possible. As I sat on that stone bench, I can still remember as if it was tomorrow. Yesterday, <laughs> can't you can't remember tomorrow, can you? <laughs> I just remember it was yesterday. I uh, sat on that old stone bench. The old green wooden door creaked open, and a, a fumbling hand was pushing it open. I heard a voice say, "Is Brother Robert here?" I stood up, and the hairs on the back of my neck. I still I said. Uh, I I, I may be brother Robert. And by now this old lady had come inside of the gate and turned towards me and I could see she was blind. I said, are you Auntie May? She said, yes. And are you brother Robert? I said, I am, but Auntie May, however, do you know I would be or ever be a cross? Oh, she said, brother Robert, I was in the presence of the Lord this morning and talking to him and he said to me, go to the garden tomb at noon today and you will find brother Robert. Well, I tell you, I, not just the hairs and back of my felt it's like New Testament times, you know, where that sense, but it was true. I went to stay with her for several weeks. It was one of the things that stirred in my life, that calling for a a life of prayer. To be in her presence was like being in the presence of God. Maybe her blindness had meant that she'd lost many of the normal faculties by which you perceive a world, and so she had cultivated, she'd pursued the presence of God. Or it was daily to be conscious of his presence, of his leading, of his prompting. This year, God I feel is stirring us as his people to be pursuing his presence. That fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life that makes real the presence of God. That fullness of joy in his presence is fullness of joy. That fullness of his purposes, his guidance, his direction, his presence going with us. Father, come now by your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Make Jesus' presence real to us today, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Not just the reality of that inner presence, but the overflow of your presence to a world around us, that priestly presence in which we carry your presence. We want to pursue your presence for your glory. Amen, amen.